When the sound effect of disintegrating polygons rang out, I clenched my fist in triumph. I called up my menu and switched to the inventory, my fingers. Fumbling. There it was, right at the top of the new items list. Ragu rabbit meat. An absolute gold mine, worth at least six. Figures on the open market. It was valuable enough to buy me the highest class custom-made weapons with change to spare. The reason was simple, out of all the limitless ingredients in the game, it had the very highest flavor rating. Eating was about the only pleasure to be found in the world of saw. Most of the available food seemed to be in a rustic European style, simple breads and soups. The tiny minority of crafters who chose to utilize the cooking skill could create other dishes in order to expand our options, but given how few of those cooks there actually were, and the surprising difficulty of obtaining ing good cooking ingredients, nearly all the players in the game were perpetually starving for quality food. Count me among them. I didn't mind the soup and black bread at my favorite NPC restaurant, but it was hard to resist the craving to sink my teeth into a hot, juicy piece of meat. A soft moan left my lips as I stared at the name of the item. It was incredibly unlikely that I'd ever find another top-ranked food ingredient like this again. I desperately wanted to eat it for myself, but the finer the item, the higher the skill rank required to cook it. I'd have to ask a master chef to do it for me. I'd be lying if I claimed that I didn't know anyone who fit the bill, but tracking that person down would be a pain, and I'd been needing a new set of armor, so I made up my mind to sell the meat for Colonel closing the status screen was a painful act of will. I engaged my search skill to scan the surroundings. Chances that any thief ING players would be hanging out in the deadly frontier looking to make a score were absurdly slim, but when you're sitting on an S-rank gold mine, you tend to err on the side of caution. I opened the pouch on my waist to rummage for a teleported tie-in crystal to return straight to Algade, operating under the assumption that I could buy all the crystals I wanted with the money I'd make selling the meat. The crystal was elongated and eight-sided, sparkling deep. Blue. With the absence of any kind of magic spells in SAO, the few magical items to be found all took the form of these crystals. The blue ones were for teleporting, the pink ones for healing, the green for curing poison, it was all pretty self-explanatory. They worked instantaneously, but given the price, it made more sense to simply retreat from battle and use a cheap potion if you needed. To regain HP telling myself that this was a worthy emergency, I gripped the blue fragment and shouted, Teleport, Algade. A beautiful chiming like the ringing of many bells sounded, and the little crystal crumbled in my hand. A blue light enveloped my body, the sights and sounds of the forest vanishing. The light pulsed brighter, then disappeared, and the transition was complete. The rustling of leaves had been replaced with clanging blacksmith mallets, and the lively roar of many voices. I was at the teleport gate in the center of Algade. The enormous metal gate towered over the rest of the city. Square, at least 16 feet tall. The interior space beneath the frame shimmered like a mirage, and people streamed through the 
gait in a steady flow, teleporting to and from other cities in Eincrad. For wide avenues stretched out from the central square with countless tiny shops crammed into the margins. For those seek ING solace after a hard day of adventure, there were carts selling food and pubs full of lively chatter. If there was one word to sum up the city of Algade, it was chaos. There were no singular large structures such as in the town of beginnings, but rather a vast space crisscrossed with cramped alleys, suspicious workshops selling unknown wares, and sketchy taverns that promised a way in, but probably not out. This wasn't just hyperbole, players told horror stories of getting lost in the Byzantine alleys of Algade for several days at a time. I'd set up residence in this city almost a year ago, and I still didn't know half the streets in it. Even the NPCs of Algade didn't seem to fit into the standard roles, and any human players who spent too much time here developed an eccentricity or two during their stay. But for all that, I liked the vibe. It was often the case that Sip Ping oddly scented tea in my favorite back-back-back-alley establishment was the only moment of tranquility I had in a day. I couldn't deny that part of the attraction came from Al Gade's nostalgic resemblance to the notable electronics district I liked to visit back in the real world. I decided to take care of business before returning to my hideout and set off for a familiar item merchant. After several minutes of weaving through the crowds on the Western Boulevard, I reached the shop. It had all the hallmarks of a player-run establishment, a cramped interior that could fit no more than five PEOPLE, a chaotic jumble of merchandise on display, and racks full of weapons, tools, and food. The proprietor was in the midst of a deal right out front. There are two main methods of selling items in the game. One is to sell to an NPC, in other words, to the system itself. There's no danger of being ripped off, but you're only going to get one fixed price for your goods, and the prices are automatically set to be lower than the market purchase value to prevent inflation. The other method is dealing directly with another player. It's possible to get a much better price for your wares this way, but first, you have to actually find someone to buy them, then you have to deal with finicky buyers, people who come back wanting a refund, or plain old scam artists. This is where traders making a living in the second-hand market come in. Of course, that's not the only reason they exist. As with item crafters, merchants have to fill the majority of their skill slots with non-combat skills, but they still have to then tour out into the wilderness. Merchants need items to sell, and Crafters need ingredients, which means farming monsters for goods is necessary. As you might imagine, battle is a lot tougher when you aren't playing a traditional warrior class. There is not ing glamorous or enjoyable about fighting as a merchant. This all means that their class identity is rooted in a pure and admirable desire to assist those adventurers who are working their damnedest on the front lines to beat the game. I held a deep and secret admiration for merchants and crafters. But the shopkeeper I stared at now was about as far from the definition of self-sacrificing as anyone could be. You got yourself a deal. 500 call for 20. Dusk lizard hides. 
Agile the pawnbroker swung his burly arm, whacking his big Tim, a weak-willed spearman, on the shoulder. He popped open the trading window and entered the gold amount on his side. Without waiting for an answer, the seller still appeared hesitant, but with a powerful glare. From Agile's imposing face, not only was he a merchant, he was also an excellent axe warrior, the man quickly transferred his mod dash. Tyriels to the trade window and hit the accept button. Thanks for your business. Come again. Agile boomed a laugh. As he slapped his marks back one last time. Dusk Lizard Hide was a valuable crafting ingredient in making armor. 500 kernels seemed to be a steal for that many of them, but I held my tongue and watched the spearman trudge away. I told myself that he'd just learned a valuable lesson, never let your guard down around. A second-hand buyer. Another day making a living ripping off honest folks, Agile? The bald head craned around to see who'd called to him, and Agile beamed. Good to see you, Carito. Stock it cheap, sell it cheap, that's my motto, he lied, without a trace of irony. Not sure about the latter part, but whatever. Got some more stuff to sell you. You're a regular, Carito. You know I won't do you wrong. Let's see, he trailed off, leaning over to peer at my trade window. Our avatars within Sword Art Online were accurate reseriations of our faces and bodies, thanks to the Nerve Gear scan NES and the initial calibration process. But I had to admit that I hadn't seen anyone who appeared to fit the role they played, quite. Like Agile did. He stood nearly six feet tall, with a hefty frame of muscle, and fat, topped off by a face like a wrestling heel, practically carved out of a boulder. The one customizable option we had was hairstyle, and he chose to go as bald as a cue ball. He was as imposing as any barbarian foe to be found in the game. But when a grin cracked his face, that craggy scowl became lovable and comforting. He appeared to be in his late twenties, but it was impossible to guess what he did back in the real world. It was an unspoken rule that no one in SAO discussed the other side. When Agile saw the contents of the trade window, the eyes under his thick brows grew wide. Wait a second, that's an S-rank item, man. Ragu Rabbit. Meat, never actually seen one for myself. You aren't that hard up. For cash, are you? You thought about eating it yourself? I have. But it's hard to find folks with a cooking skill high. Enough to handle this sort of Someone poked my shoulder from behind. Carido. It was a woman's voice. There weren't many female players. Who would call my name? In this situation, there was only one. I didn't need to turn around to know who it was. Instead, I quickly grabbed the hand over my shoulder and spoke as I swiveled. Around. Caught me a chef. W.H. What do you mean? She asked, trying to retreat with her. Hand still clutched in mine. She had a small oval face framed by long chestnut hair on E.I., their side, and hazel-colored eyes that flashed brightly. Under her petite, slender nose was a set of bright pink lips. Her graceful body was clad in a knight's uniform of red and white, 
and an elegant silver rapier sat in a scabbard of white leather at her waist. Her name was Asuna, and she was familiar to virtually everyone inside the game. The reasons were plentiful. First, there were her undeniably stunning good looks in a game with an extremely low ratio of female players. Though it pains me to be so frank, SAO recreates its players. Bodies and, in particular, faces with nearly perfect detail, and it was extremely rare to come across a truly attractive female player. You could probably count on your fingers the number of beauties at her level in the entire game. Another reason for her fame was the white and crimson outfit. She wore the uniform of the Knights of the Blood. Abbreviated. Cobb, they were unanimously considered the most talented and powerful player guild in Aincrad. At 30 members, the Cobb was modestly sized, but they were all high-level swordsmen, and their leader was a legendary figure, held by many to be the most powerful man in SAO. Behind her, winsome looks, Asuna was the vice commander of the guild. Her skill and speed with the rapier had earned her the moniker, the Flash. In short, she stood atop all 6,000 players in sword art. Online in the combination of appearance and skill. It would have been crazy if she wasn't famous. Naturally, she had gained many fans, including some who took their appreciation to the depths of obsession and others who felt a fiery antagonism. It couldn't have been easy for her. Very few people were foolish enough to take on one of the best warriors in the game, but the guild intended to ensure the safety of its officers, so multiple bodyguards always attended her. Sure. Enough, two men in metallic armor and white capes stood a few steps behind her. The one on the left, a thin man with longer hair, pulled back behind his head, was staring daggers at me as I held. As soon as hand. I let go, my fingers drifting a sardonic greeting to the man as I responded to her question. Strange to see you here, Asuna. Didn't think you frequented dumps like this. Veins throbbed on the foreheads of both the long-haired man. At my casual address and the shopkeeper at my appraisal of his establishment. But when Asuna gave Agile a friendly greeting, his scowl melted into a sappy beam. She turned back to me, her lips. Pursed. What was that for? We're about to tackle the next boss, so I'm only checking in on you to make sure you're still alive. You're already on my friends list, so you can see my status. Anytime. Besides, the only reason you're even here is because you tracked me down on your map. She turned her face away from me in a huff. Despite only being a subleader in her own guild, Asuna was a principal figure in the game's progress. It was part of her responsibility to round up solo. Players like me when arranging raid parties on the latest floors. Boss, but coming out to personally check up on me was getting ridiculous. She put her hands on her hips and jetted her chin out at my gaze of half-astonishment and half-admiration. Look, the only thing that matters is that you're alive. And, what was that about a chef? Oh, right. What's your cooking skill at now? I remembered. 
that she had been putting time into building up her cooking skill, on a whim between all of the usual combat practice. She let a gloating smile cross her lips. Are you ready for this? I mastered it last week. What? That's idiotic. I didn't verbalize the thought. Skill proficiency increases the more you use that skill, but the pace is glacial, and the skill isn't fully mastered until you get it all. The way to a full 1000. It's a separate process from the character. Level that goes up as you earn experience points. A level up increases HP, strength, agility, and the number of skill slots available. I had 12 skill slots at this point, but had only mastered three of them, one-handed swords, search, and weapon defense. In other words, she had poured an unfathomable amount of time and energy into a skill that had absolutely no use in battle. Well, I could use your help. I beckoned her over and enabled visible mode on my window so she could see it. She squinted. Doubtfully at first, but her eyes grew wide when she saw the item. I had highlighted. Wow. Is that an S-rank ingredient? Let's make a deal. If you cook this thing for me, I'll let you have a bite. Almost before I could finish the sentence, Asuna the flashes. Hand darted over and seized my shirt. She pulled my face down. Until it was just inches from her own. H-A-L-F. Stunned by this unexpected menace, I nodded my head automatically. By the time I realized what I'd done, she was already pumping her other fist in triumph. I tried to convince myself that it was a price worth paying for the point-blank view of such a pretty face. I closed the window and turned to Agile. Sorry, man. The deal's off. It's cool, I understand, but we're brothers, right? Right? You'd let me take a little taste. I'll write you an 800-word review. You can't do this to me, man. Agile wailed as though the world itself were ending. I turned my back on him, and Asuna tugged on my coat sleeve. I'll cook it for you, but where is that supposed to happen? Uh. In order to utilize the cooking skill, you need ingredients, utensils, and some kind of oven or stove, at the very least. Technically, I did have the bare minimum of supplies at my home, but such a filthy hovel was no place for the exalted vice commander. Of the Kobe she turned an exasperated eye to me as I stammered. I'm assuming you don't have any of the necessary tools. But, given the value of your ingredients, I might be willing to let you use my room, she offered, shockingly enough. My brain lagged as it struggled to comprehend her meaning. Asuna turned to the two guardsmen who made up her escort. I'm going to teleport straight to Selmberg. I won't need my guard for the rest of the day. You may go. The long-haired man exploded as though he'd been holding in his rage for quite a while. If the fidelity on SAO's facial x-ray science were finer, he'd have had two or three purple veins bulging out of his forehead. El Lady Asuna. It's bad enough that you're visiting this slum, but I cannot allow you to bring such a suspect individual into your home. His exaggerated mannerisms made me wince. Lady Asuna? He was probably no better than her obsessed stalker fans. 
I know Tice that she seemed just as exasperated as I was. His character aside, he's a worthy fighter. He's probably got at least 10 levels on you, Kuradil. Th that's preposterous. How could I possibly be inferior to? The high-pitched protest echoed off the alley walls. His sunken, glaring eyes fixed on me, then widened with comprehension. That's it. You're a beater, aren't you? Beater was an epithet unique to SAO, a portmanteau of beta. Tester and cheater. I'd heard the slur time and time again, but it always caused a certain level of pain. The image of someone I'd once called a friend flashed through my mind, the first person to ever say the word to my face. Yeah, that's right, I said without expression, but he continued more forcefully than before. Lady Asuna, he doesn't care for anyone but himself. Nothing good can come from fraternizing with his kind. Asuna had been playing it cool, but now her brows knitted together in displeasure. A crowd was starting to gather around us, and I could hear the words Cobb and Asuna being murmured. She took note of the increased interest and turned on Cordiel, who showed no signs of regaining his composure. I told you to leave. That's an order from your vice commander, she growled, grabbing the rear belt of my coat and pulling me backward. She began tugging us toward the main square. H hang on, are you sure about this? I'm sure. Well, who was I to argue? We left the two guardsmen and the crestfallen agile behind and slipped into the throng. I took one last backward glance. The picture of Kuradil, glaring with fury stuck in my mind like an afterimage. 6. Selmberg was a beautiful castle town on the 61st floor. The city itself wasn't particularly large. An old castle with fragile minarets loomed over the center of town, but the buildings were painstakingly built of chalk-white granite with copious greenery placed to great effect. The selection of shops was rich as well. Many players coveted the chance to live in Selmberg, but the cost was exorbitant, at least three times that of Algade. Residenke was a pipe dream for all, but the highest level players. It was well past sunset when we arrived through the teleport. Gate, the last remaining traces of sunlight reflecting purple on the town. Most of the 61st floor consisted of lakes, and Selmberg itself sat on a small island surrounded by water. The view of the sun shining through the outer aperture of Aincrad and reflecting off the lake was worthy of a painting, at least. The sparkling scenery of dark blue and red set atop that massive lake was so breathtaking, I couldn't help but be bewitched. The only thing that could take away from the sight was the knowledge that it was just child's play to the Nerve Gear's Diamond Semiconductor CPU. Selmberg's teleport gate was located in the square, before the old castle. The town's main street stretched south, lined with leafy trees. Shops and homes, both quaint and elegant, stood along the boulevard, and the NPCs and players who walked the city seemed to carry themselves with more class than elsewhere. Even the air seemed to taste different than in Algade, I couldn't help but stretch my arms and inhale deeply.
It's so big and spacious here. Feels liberating. You should move, then. Don't have nearly enough money, I mumbled, shoulders. Slumped. I gathered myself and cast her a concerned look. Seriously, are you sure this won't cause trouble with your folks? Asuna seemed to catch my meaning and turned around, hang ing her head and kicking the heel of her boot on the ground. It's true that I've had some unpleasant encounters while alone, but my own personal guard? It's too much. I keep telling them I don't want this, but it's guild protocol, the chief of staff tells me. She continued in a downcast mutter. In the past, we were just a small guild. The commander picked every member himself. But we just keep taking on more members, and people come and go, things started to get crazy. When they began calling us the most powerful guild here, she stopped talking and twisted her torso around. Something in her eyes seemed to plead for help, and the breath caught in my throat. I have to say something, I thought, but as a solo who did everything out of self-interest, what could I say? Several seconds of silence passed. Asuna broke the eye contact first. She looked at the deep blue of the lake and piped up in a much higher pitch, sounding eager to change the mood. But it's not that big a deal. Better hurry before it gets dark. I started walking after her through the town. We passed no small number of players, but none of them stopped to stare at Asuna's face. I spent a few days in Selmberg about a half year back, when it represented the frontier of our advancement through the game, but I couldn't remember ever stopping to take in the sights. Gaz ing at the exquisite sculptures on display, I felt a momentary desire to live here permanently, but then thought better of it, desed ing it was better suited to the occasional holiday trip. Asuna's residence was on the third floor of an attractive little masonette, immediately to the east of the main street. It was my first visit, of course. Thinking back on it, the most I'd ever interacted with Asuna before was at boss strategy meetings. I'd never even stopped at an NPC-run restaurant with her. I couldn't help but hesitate at the entrance of the building. So, uh, are you sure this is okay with you? It was your idea, wasn't it? Besides, there's nowhere else to do. The cooking. She turned her head with a huff and trotted up the stairs. I steeled my willpower and followed her. W.L., pardon the intrusion. I stopped stock still when I passed through the door, my mouth agape. I'd never seen such a neat and orderly player home. The spa Sias living room and adjacent kitchen were filled with lightly colored wooden furniture and accents of moss green cloth tied. Together the visual style. It was all likely custom made of the highest quality by other players. Despite the emphasis on looks, there was no ostentatious decoration, which made the whole place seem inviting and comfortable. It was a stark contrast to the lair I called a home. I was glad. I'd chosen not to invite her there. H. How much did all of this cost? I asked bluntly. Hmm, about 4M for the room and furnishings together, I think. Sit wherever you like, I'm just going to change. She disappeared through the door on the other side of the living room. The 
Letter M was shorthand for million, just like K for thousand. I spent my days adventuring on the front line, so I'd probably earned that much in total during my time in SAO, but with my penchant for spending money on whatever swords and equipment caught my eye, there was no way I'd save up a lump sum. Like that. Indulging in a rare moment of self-reflection, I sank into a soft couch. Eventually, Asuna emerged from the back room wearing a simple white tunic and skirt that stopped above the knee. Chang ING clothes in the game didn't involve actually removing or putting on anything, it was as simple as dragging items onto the character mannequin in the equipment screen. But because there were a few seconds during the shift in which a player was temporarily reduced to his or her underwear, female players made certain not to change in public, though the men didn't seem to mind doing it. Our bodies were just 3D models made of ones and zeros, but when you'd lived in this world for two years, you tended to take things at face value. My eyes naturally traveled to the newly exposed skin on Asuna's limbs. Unaware of my inner conflict, she shot back a look at me. How long are you going to wear that gear? I hastily brought up the menu and removed my leather coat and scabbard. I switched to my item window and materialized the ragu rabbit meat into a ceramic pot, placing it on the table. Asuna picked up the container and peered into it with a reverent expression. So this is what an S-rank ingredient looks like. What dish are we having, then? Um, I'll have the chef's choice. Okay, how about a stew? They don't call it a ragu rabbit. For nothing. I followed Asuna into the other room. The kitchen was spacious, with pricey-looking cooking tools hanging next to a large, wood-fired oven. Asuna tapped the front of the oven twice as, though double-clicking, and a menu popped open. She set a cook ing time and pulled a metal pot out of the cupboard, transferred the meat from its container, added some herbs and water, then placed a lid on top. Normally there'd be many more steps in the process, but SAO's cooking system is really simplified and boring, she complained. Asuna placed the pot in the oven and hit the start button on the menu. The timer was set to 300 seconds, during which she hummed about quickly, pulling ingredients out of a seemingly unlimited larder and arranging dishes with the effie sciency of familiarity. I couldn't help but admire her flawless speed. Without a single mistake. Five minutes later, there was a gourmet feast on the table, and Asuna and I sat facing each other. The plate in front was piled. High with a piping hot brown stew that stimulated my nose with every waft of steam. Rich chunks of meat wallowed in a thick, shining sauce marbled with white streaks of cream. It was bewitching. Barely stopping to say thanks before the meal, I grabbed my spoon and shoveled up a mouthful of the most delicious food in the entirety of Sword Art Online. The savory heat and flavor filled my mouth as I sank my teeth into the soft meat, letting the juice spill out. Eating in SAO isn't a realistic simulation of every single sense of tie-in that should occur from chewing in-game objects. Argus UTI lists a taste recreation engine contracted from an environmental software developer. 
The engine is designed to send eating sensory input to the brain of the user based on certain preset variables, originally for the sake of those on a diet or who would otherwise need to OB serve a period of limited food intake. It sends false signals of flavor, scent, and heat to the sensory areas of the brain to fool the user. Our real bodies aren't receiving any nutrition from this act of eating. The system is simply stimulating our brains. But there was no use dwelling on this fact. What I felt in that moment, all that mattered, was that I was eating the greatest meal I'd had in the two years since I first logged into the game. We didn't share a word, silently shoveling spoonfuls of the stew into our mouths. Finally, after we had literally cleaned every last trace of stew from our plates and a cooking pot, Asuna let out a contented sigh. Ah, I'm glad to still be alive, I had to agree. I sat back, sipping a strangely scented tea, revealing in the fulfillment of a primal urge, satisfied to completion. Were the meat and tea program to resemble some real life? Ingredients, or were those flavors just the fictional product of a number of finely tuned parameters? After several minutes of silent contentment, Asuna began to speak, a mug of tea cupped in her hands. It's so strange, it feels like I was born here. Like I've always lived in this world. There are days that I don't even remember about my life over there, and I'm not the only one. You don't see as many players desperate to beat the game and escape these days. The rate of our conquest is slowing down. There aren't even 500 players fighting at the front line at this point. It's not just the danger, we're all getting used to this life. I gazed at her beautiful, pensive face, lit by the warm orange light of the lamp. It wasn't the face of a living, breathing human being. The skin was too smooth, the hair too lustrous to be real. But it didn't even look like a polygonal model to me at this point. It was easy to accept her as a living being inhabiting this space. In Fact, if I went back to the real world now, I would probably find true reality off-putting. Do I even really want to go back? I was startled by the thought. Were all the early mornings, dungeon adventures, mapping expeditions, and level-ups really for the purpose of escaping the game? It must have been that way. Once. The game was deadly, and I wanted out. But now that I'd gotten used to life with an SAO. I still want to go back, Asuna said clearly, as though to drown out my indecision. I raised my head with a start. She flashed me a rare grin and continued. There are so many things left to do back there. I had to nod in agreement. Good point. And it's not fair to the crafters working for our benefit if we don't give it our best. I tilted my cup and took a deep swig, trying to swallow my hesitation. The top floor was a long ways off. I could think about this. When the time came, feeling bold, I gazed at Asuna as I tried to formulate the right words to properly thank her. Instead, she grimaced and started, waving a hand in front of her face. W-H-O, stop. Huh? What? I've gotten too many marriage proposals from players giving me that look.
Wah. Despite my mastery of battle skills, I had far less experience. When it came to delicate matters like this, my mouth opened and closed repeatedly with no sound. I must have looked like an idiot. Asuna smiled. Let me guess, you're not that close to anyone else, either. Well, sorry for being a solo player. You're in an MMORPG, making friends is the point. Her smile disappeared, and she asked me a question in the tone of an older sister or teacher. Have you ever thought about joining a guild? Huh. I know you beta testers don't like to work in groups. Her expression grew even more serious. But it feels like the monster activity patterns have been increasingly irregular since we hit the 70th floor. I'd noticed that, too. It wasn't clear if the drop in CPU predictability was planned from the start or the result of the system. It's self-learning. If it was the latter, we'd have our work cut out for us, and playing solo leaves you much less capable of handling unexpected situations. You can't always make an emergency escape. You're much, much safer forming a party. I'm always cautious enough to leave myself a safety margin. Thanks for the warning, but guilds just aren't my thing. Besides, my mind screamed at me to stop, but my mouth barreled on ward. Party members usually end up being more of a hindrance than a help for me. Oh? A silver flash of light passed before my eyes. It was Asuna's knife, held motionless at the end of my nose. This was a basic rapier skill, called linear. Basic, but scaled in. Effectiveness based on one's agility stat. She'd moved so fast, I hadn't even seen the skill's telltale movement trail. With a grin. Frozen on my face, I assumed the hands-up position of surrender. Fine, fine, you're an exception. Good. She pulled back the knife, unamused. As she twirled the blade. Around her fingers, her next words were completely unexpected. In that case, I want you to partner up with me. Being in charge of arranging boss raid parties, I've always wanted to see if you're as good as they say. Plus, I want to show you just how tough I really am. And lastly, black is my lucky color this week. What's that supposed to mean? Shocked by the absurdity of her demand, I weakly grasped for some kind of counter-argument. So this is what an S-rank ingredient looks like. What dish are we having, then? Um, I'll have the chef's choice. Okay, how about a stew? They don't call it a ragu rabbit. For nothing. I followed Asuna into the other room. The kitchen was spacious, with pricey-looking cooking tools hanging next to a large, wood-fired oven. Asuna tapped the front of the oven twice as, though double-clicking, and a menu popped open. She set a cook ing time and pulled a metal pot out of the cupboard, transferred the meat from its container, added some herbs and water, then placed a lid on top. Normally there'd be many more steps in the process, but SAO's cooking system is really simplified and boring, she complained. Asuna placed the pot in the oven and hit the start button on the menu. The timer was set to 300 seconds, during which she hummed about quickly, 
pulling ingredients out of a seemingly unlimited larder and arranging dishes with the effie sciency of familiarity. I couldn't help but admire her flawless speed. Without a single mistake. Five minutes later, there was a gourmet feast on the table, and Asuna and I sat facing each other. The plate in front was piled. High with a piping hot brown stew that stimulated my nose with every waft of steam. Rich chunks of meat wallowed in a thick, shining sauce marbled with white streaks of cream. It was bewitching. Barely stopping to say thanks before the meal, I grabbed my spoon and shoveled up a mouthful of the most delicious food in the entirety of Sword Art Online. The savory heat and flavor filled my mouth as I sank my teeth into the soft meat, letting the juice spill out. Eating an SAO isn't a realistic simulation of every single sense of tie-in that should occur from chewing in-game objects. Argus UTI lists a taste recreation engine contracted from an environmental software developer. The engine is designed to send eating sensory input to the brain of the user based on certain preset variables, originally for the sake of those on a diet or who would otherwise need to OB serve a period of limited food intake. It sends false signals of flavor, scent, and heat to the sensory areas of the brain to fool the user. Our real bodies aren't receiving any nutrition from this act of eating. The system is simply stimulating our brains. But there was no use dwelling on this fact. What I felt in that moment, all that mattered, was that I was eating the greatest meal I'd had in the two years since I first logged into the game. We didn't share a word, silently shoveling spoonfuls of the stew into our mouths. Finally, after we had literally cleaned every last trace of stew from our plates and a cooking pot, Asuna let out a contented sigh. Ah, I'm glad to still be alive, I had to agree. I sat back, sipping a strangely scented tea, revealing in the fulfillment of a primal urge, satisfied to completion. Were the meat and tea program to resemble some real life? Ingredients, or were those flavors just the fictional product of a number of finely tuned parameters? After several minutes of silent contentment, Asuna began to speak, a mug of tea cupped in her hands. It's so strange, it feels like I was born here. Like I've always lived in this world. There are days that I don't even remember about my life over there, and I'm not the only one. You don't see as many players desperate to beat the game and escape these days. The rate of our conquest is slowing down. There aren't even 500 players fighting at the front line at this point. It's not just the danger, we're all getting used to this life. I gazed at her beautiful, pensive face, lit by the warm orange light of the lamp. It wasn't the face of a living, breathing human being. The skin was too smooth, the hair too lustrous to be real. But it didn't even look like a polygonal model to me at this point. It was easy to accept her as a living being inhabiting this space. In fact, if I went back to the real world now, I would probably find True reality off-putting. Do I even really want to go back? I was startled by the thought. Were all the early mornings, dungeon adventures, mapping expeditions, and level-ups really? For the purpose of escaping the game? It must have been that way. Once, 
The game was deadly, and I wanted out. But now that I'd gotten used to life with an SAO, I still want to go back, Asuna said clearly, as though to drown out my indecision. I raised my head with a start. She flashed me a rare grin and continued. There are so many things left to do back there. I had to nod in agreement. Good point. And it's not fair to the crafters working for our benefit if we don't give it our best. I tilted my cup and took a deep swig, trying to swallow my hesitation. The top floor was a long ways off. I could think about this. When the time came, feeling bold, I gazed at Asuna as I tried to formulate the right words to properly thank her. Instead, she grimaced and started, waving a hand in front of her face. W-H-O, stop. Huh? What? I've gotten too many marriage proposals from players giving me that look. Wah. Despite my mastery of battle skills, I had far less experience. When it came to delicate matters like this, my mouth opened and closed repeatedly with no sound. I must have looked like an idiot. Asuna smiled. Let me guess, you're not that close to anyone else, either. Well, sorry for being a solo player. You're in an MMORPG, making friends is the point. Her smile disappeared, and she asked me a question in the tone of an older sister or teacher. Have you ever thought about joining a guild? Huh. I know you beta testers don't like to work in groups. Her ex presion grew even more serious. But it feels like the monster activity patterns have been increasingly irregular since we hit the 70th floor. I'd noticed that, too. It wasn't clear if the drop in CPU predictability was planned from the start or the result of the system. It's self-learning. If it was the latter, we'd have our work cut out for us, and playing solo leaves you much less capable of handling unexpected situations. You can't always make an emergency ES cape. You're much, much safer forming a party. I'm always cautious enough to leave myself a safety margin. Thanks for the warning, but guilds just aren't my thing. Besides, my mind screamed at me to stop, but my mouth barreled on ward. Party members usually end up being more of a hindrance. than a help for me. Oh? A silver flash of light passed before my eyes. It was Asuna's knife, held motionless at the end of my nose. This was a basic rapier skill, called linear. Basic, but scaled in. Effectiveness based on one's agility stat. She'd moved so fast, I hadn't even seen the skill's telltale movement trail. With a grin. Frozen on my face, I assumed the hands-up position of surrender. Fine, fine, you're an exception. Good. She pulled back the knife, unamused. As she twirled the blade. Around her fingers, her next words were completely unexpected. In that case, I want you to partner up with me. Being in charge of arranging boss raid parties, I've always wanted to see if you're as good as they say. Plus, I want to show you just how tough I really am. And lastly, black is my lucky color this week. What's that supposed to mean? Shocked by the absurdity of 
Her demand, I weakly grasped for some kind of counterargument. 